Hi everyone and welcome to the Digitize Diaries, your one-stop conversational platform for frank and open communication around the digitization process. Each episode we deep dive into examples, experience and learnings from experts in the field as well as expanding on our own journey so far. A safe environment to discuss the future of commerce and the role technology will play in it for your business. Now let's jump right in to the conversation. Hello and a very warm welcome to everybody listening in on this. Welcome to another episode of the Digitized Diaries. Myself and my co-host Wayne Den are going to have another conversation today around the area of digital transformation, uh, things to be aware of, what we've seen going on in the marketplace, um, and as always, try to create a safe space for people to join in and contribute to the con- conversation. Uh, we by no means believe we know uh, everything about this, and actually a big part of doing this is to learn ourselves. Um, this episode, we're going to be focusing on some of the um, the issues that we've seen cropping up uh, that have uh, been sort of highlighting some of the the news headlines, as it were, around uh, scams in particular, using artificial intelligence and intelligence rather, and and how we need to think about this in the the greater grand scheme of things when it comes to digital transformation, because we're all going to be going through it, we are going through it, some faster than others. And we need to actually plan for the scams believe it or not. Uh, and we're going to have a discussion around that. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Wayne Dinner. Wayne, how are you today? I am fantastic, Barry. Delighted to be back for another episode of the Digitized Diaries. And you set the scene very nicely in relation to what we're going to talk about today. And I suppose the importance of thinking about the, the cyber threats that exist out there. And in fact, you know, they exist everywhere. Um, More and more people are becoming victims of online fraud. Uh, They're getting scammed. Uh, Personal information that they're putting out into into the World Wide Web and onto the internet can be used in some cases against them. And if we think of digital transformation, when we talk about digital transformation, and we've had several conversations on this over the past couple of episodes, uh, we talked about you know the importance of having your employees on board um, and training and development in particular for your employees so they can spot some of these potential scams and indeed any activity in and around fraud. So I see employees within a company or an organization very much as the first line of defense. So we're going to we're going to drill into this a little bit more today and we're going to talk about the connection between um, the cybersecurity element but also digital transformation because as you know and as I know digital transformation is heavily technology focused. So you've got to be thinking about the cyber threats. Absolutely. And, and it ties into the work that both you and I, we've both been extremely busy uh, today in the last uh, couple of days with the work we do with schools and, and educating around uh, cyberbullying prevention and, and digital wellness and staying safer, cyber safety. Um, and I think it's something that is, is top of our mind because we have to take this into consideration because in some ways, as with all tools, 
it's about the user. And some people are going to and are already doing so. They're taking these new tools, the artificial intelligence, the chat GTs, the, the things that are being put out there, and they're using them for bad. Uh, as as same as social media platforms, they're using them to to exploit people. They're using them to uh, to scam people. And I think that it was it was really interesting, you know, as we keep an eye on what's going on. It was something that cropped up a little while ago, but there was a, there is a scam going around where the scammers are, are using artificial intelligence to make phone calls using your own voice. And so it appears to the person on the other end of the phone that you are calling them. And it, it's it's really taken place in this scenario of um, calling family members and um, saying there's some, some sort of issue or even to the point where they're saying that somebody in the family has been killed uh, and using your voice and then somehow weaving into this scenario that money is required. Um, and then you believe, well, it sounds like my brother, it sounds like my mum, it sounds like my dad calling me. This is obviously necessary and, and doing whatever needs to happen. And uh, and it was just really interesting to see this happening and how, when you look at what's going on, there's an upward trend of this, of course, as this new technology comes into play, more and more people finding ways to use it in a negative sense. Um, this is in the family scenario. And now it's obviously evolving into business because scammers are now using the AI to clone the CEO's voice or the MD's voice or the marketing director's voice. And, and, and making calls to employees under that guise and getting them to do certain things. And so it was really, I mean, fascinating, first of all, scary, second of all, uh, but perhaps most importantly, how quickly the, the transition happened from, oh, here's some new tools, here's how we can use them for bad. And that was really what we wanted to focus on today, because obviously there's certain things that can be done within the businesses now to to mitigate that risk. And I think that's where you wanted to talk about. And it leads into this idea of what you were talking about just a minute ago about this employees first, right? Yeah, exactly. Because we get so caught up and we've, we, we kind of get excited about this sort of stuff, me and you, Barry. We, we love technology. Um, yeah. And we're very excitable when there's ever a new development or a new piece of kit comes out. I mean, you know, I get very excited. I'm, 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 I'm jumping on it right away to try and figure out how I can use it for, for business and, and for opportunity as well. But you really got to take a step back and, and, and make sure that you're being safe as well whenever you're using any of this technology. And just what you were talking about a couple of moments ago got me thinking about an article that I just read in the past couple of days where... Um, a law enforcement agency had issued an alert to people to be aware of AI being used in sextortion, um, mm. where the the bad actors, effectively, the cyber criminals, the bad guys, are basically scraping images and videos off the internet that people have posted publicly on social media platforms and channels, and then they are using AI technology to... Uh, create a video or indeed an image of them engaging in a sexual act. And then they are blackmailing members mm. of their family who maybe are unsuspecting that this is, you know, this is, this has happened or indeed that this is actually, you know, something that their family member has participated in. Um, and that's another example where people need to be careful in and around the personal information the images, the videos that they are posting on any social media platform, that there will be or there could be cases where that information can be used against you. That could be used 
against your company or the organization that you represent. So the training element of this is so important. And this is something that we did shine the spotlight in on in a previous episode of the podcast, where we talked about making sure that your employees are going along with you on this digital transformation journey, explaining to them why we're going to go on this digital transformation journey, getting buy-in for your employees about the benefits of going on this digital transformation journey. But I think it's really important to make sure that we train our employees about the risks uh, that they may encounter, but also how they can protect themselves outside of the workplace as well, Barry. Yeah, definitely, and, and and I think it is this. It transfers across both, but within the 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 business setup, I think you make a very good point there around the training element uh, to to help them understand what's going on. First of all, to make sure that they're aware of these things, because sometimes we live in our little silos, and 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 even more so now with this hybrid working model that we're not all in the same place to to share this kind of information. Is that sometimes we can get a little bit uh, left behind. So the first thing is to make sure that we are aware. That this is happening, as, as un, unfortunate that this is, as it is. Also, even from our perspective, that it's made things like sextortion even easier because now they don't have to. Uh, the, the, the bad actors don't actually have to engage in a, a lengthy grooming process to get you to submit some uh, some uh, you know noobs or whatever it is. They can just go online, scrape some information, and turn it into that. You know, so one step step further than a deep fake, and it's easily done. So. This awareness, as everything, is, is key to understand that this can happen. And then within our businesses is to help uh, set up processes for uh, mitigating this risk so that, you know, if somebody doesn't feel comfortable with what's being asked of them, that it's unusual to, to be vigilant, that, well, why would the CEO be calling me up and telling me to make a transfer to this bank account? I've never done that before, or that's not within my remit. And, and just to be consciously aware of it, and, and maybe even implementing certain things where actually, as much as it's annoying for us, we have to put in this equivalent to two-factor authentication within the business, and that purchasing or transferring money um, can't be done by just an individual. There needs to be uh, two people uh, authorized to, to make that kind of uh, that kind of transfer, uh, just to be able to mitigate some of this risk. Because otherwise, um, as, as difficult and annoying as that sounds, the the alternative is that we end up transferring money out of our business to a scammer, uh, and, and good luck with trying to get that back. Absolutely, and and let's be honest. You know this, and and, and I know this, and it's a question that 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 I always ask. You know, whenever I'm delivering a workshop to a group of students, um, whether I'm delivering a workshop to a group of adults, or indeed I'm working with a business and delivering a workshop to a group of employees, particularly when the topic is in and around cybersecurity, uh, what employees can do to protect themselves. But when you ask that initial question, how many people in the room today have two-factor authentication turned on? very few hands go up in the room. I would have assumed that more and more people are aware of these things, but the reality of it is there's a huge educational piece still to be done with people about practicing really good digital hygiene and why you shouldn't be using the same password more than once. (laughs) You know, data breaches are, are a common occurrence, and I think we're averaging about one data breach now every 30 days. So the likelihood of your personal information being compromised somewhere on some website, on some platform 
is extremely high. So you have to take steps to mitigate against that. You have to be making sure that you're practicing good digital hygiene because it's that good digital hygiene that's going to help keep you, your family, and ultimately your business or the company or the organization that you work for protected. And this is a great discussion to be having. And anybody who's listening in in the audience today here on LinkedIn, if you do have a question uh, that you would like to pose, uh, we'd be delighted to invite you up onto the stage here to, to share your thoughts and your insights. As Barry mentioned earlier on in the uh, the start of the episode, this is very much a safe place that we can learn from each other. We can have discussions, we can have conversations, but also people can join the conversation and they can share their inputs and even their experience and expertise. Because there's no doubt, Barry, you know, that AI in particular is, is gaining pace. It's fantastic for business, but it also comes with its own risk. And we have to address those cyber risks and we have to take into consideration what we need to do to protect ourselves. And more and more senior executives within companies and organizations you know, really are starting to understand this and wrap their head around it a little bit more that, that, that cyber in particular is crucial for the success of AI initiatives. Definitely. And I, I think I just wanted to refer to something you mentioned there, because I think what really has to happen in and amongst this whole topic is a, is a reframe when it comes to things like cyber safety, because as you said there, you ask a room full of 50 people, how many have got 2FA instigated on anything and a very, very small majority of people will have it already uh, implemented. And when you ask them why, the, uh, the answer I often get back is, well, because it's a pain in the backside. And you think, oh, that, that's the reframe, reframe that needs to happen. Because yes, it is, but that's the point. Because as much as you have to take another step, it prevents the alternative, which is far worse than an extra couple of seconds of you know, going into an authenticator or, or getting a code or doing a, you know, OTP or something. And this is where I think the reframe is so important uh, to, to help people understand why this is in your best interest. And I, I don't know what the answer to is because we all know that uh, here in the Middle East, there's an issue with things even like seatbelts. We all know that putting your seatbelt on when you get in the car is pretty much common sense you know, in the UK, when we learned to drive, if we did anything, you plugged it in. And yet we still have people driving around here 120, 140 kilometers now with nothing on. And you think, how is that the case? But I think this is this is also a big part of what we're talking about is this reframe and also training around the whole idea of digital transformation and artificial intelligence and what it means. Because we, we are not getting the basics right. And that's leaving us vulnerable, both as individuals, but also as companies. Yeah. Now, before we dive a little bit more into this, I just want to say hello uh, and welcome to Hamza and also Fiona joining our conversation today here on LinkedIn. Thank you guys for stopping by. If you do have any questions or there's something you'd like to share, please simply just raise your hand and we would be delighted uh, to invite you up uh, to join this conversation today. As always, this episode is being sponsored by Cobabble, and we'll talk a little bit more about what Cobabble is later on. And if you do want to check out the website, please do stop by cobabble.com to find out a little bit more about how it can help your business or your organization. But Barry, with cyber threats becoming more sophisticated, how does anybody keep up with this? And that's the thing that we often ask ourselves. You know, when we think of digital transformation, we think of the technology piece. And there is 
there is elements of you know, technology involved within any form of digital transformation. And that technology requires you keeping your own knowledge up to date, uh, which is important, but also keeping the technology itself up to date, making sure that the correct security patches are applied, making sure that any modifications that, that needed to be made to the system or the technology are coming from trusted sources. And again, going back to that question that I asked earlier on about the two-factor authentication, many people on their iPhone don't even bother updating their smartphone apps. And that presents an inherent security risk as well, particularly if you've got an app on your device where a developer has, has rolled out a security update and you don't bother updating it. And I always recommend it's a good idea to have the automatic updates turned on on your iPhone. It is, yeah. And this is one of the, but then there's an argument to that because I know that there's a few people now who have had the recent iOS update on their iPhone and it's completely wrecked their battery life. And so there is also the other side of the uh, the coin that sometimes with the automatic updates, uh, maybe, maybe we need to differentiate between operating system and application for, for sure because we experience this with Probabble is that we're updating things, we're keeping things secure and so forth. But if, if a user doesn't then update the app on their device, um, we get the support call saying, hey, something's something's not working. And uh, we go through the whole um, you know checklist and, and nine times out of 10, it's uh, what version are you on? Oh, I'm on version you know, six versions behind. And you think, oh, okay, uh, that's where we, we need to address this. Um, but I think to answer the question, it also stems back into this whole idea of training because we have got this scenario where technology is moving so quickly. It's not even just about the application version. It's sometimes it's the, the physical bit of kit, um, the phone or the tablet that the person is using and that the business is using is that they've invested in you know, a version of a tablet or smartphone uh, a little while ago. They're updating the, the operating system, but then they've got to the point where actually we need to also consider the device itself and you know apple and notorious for this that they want you to upgrade um every five minutes it seems like having said that you can still use some of the older devices and upgrade and upgrade but even then they also have an end of life and that some of the older machines just will not be able to update to the latest version and that in itself is a massive vulnerability uh, in the business uh, and, and we need to be able to, to, to take care of that. And, and again, I think it's a, it's sort of a, a cop-out answer, but it, it comes back down to training and awareness. Indeed. And those people who are listening into this episode of the podcast who have an iPhone 8 or indeed an iPhone X, this went relatively unreported uh, two days ago in Apple's worldwide developer conference. The, all the hype was about the new uh, VR AR headset that everybody was talking about and getting really excited about. And it's priced at 3499 I don't know about you, Barry, but I won't be rushing out anytime soon. To, 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 <laughs> I'd to, love to, but there's no chance. <laughs> there's absolutely no chance. <laughs> to, to splash out that sort of cash on, uh, on that. But they did announce uh, that they were stopping support for the, uh, the iPhone 8 and also the iPhone X. So again, Going back to the point that you were just making a couple of moments ago, Barry, um, you know, this the technology forcing people to move into the the, the more up-to-date handsets and indeed operating system because the iOS 17, I think it is now, is not going to be supported on the iPhone 8 nor the iPhone X, which means me as a parent, Barry, is going to have to go and purchase 
another phone because both of my teen boys are on the iPhone X. So there right. you go. <laughs> I bet they're loving it, aren't they? They're like, well, dad, uh, sorry. <laughs> I need a new one. I thought I need to get a 14, right? Exactly. <laughs> I'm surprised it wasn't them that pointed that out to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unusual. You, we first through the door say, dad, did you hear the news? You've got to buy me a new phone. <laughs> yeah. no, no doubt some clever clocks on TikTok is going to have created a video that they're going to see. Yeah. And when I go home today, that's what I'm going to be uh, <laughs> hassled about. But I read an article during the week, Barry, just going back to what we're talking about today on the dark side of digital transformation that I thought was very interesting. Uh, and it was really focusing on massive fraud. And as more and more businesses and organizations use digital technologies as a way to handle their payment mechanisms, I mean, you know, very few people, uh, I, I can't remember the last time at least um, here that I got a, a, a paper-based check from somebody, you know, everything's handled now through either a payment terminal or it's handled through, you know, some sort of bank transfer. And there's more new technology coming on stream each and every day, uh, a digital solution of some shape or form. But this also comes with a massive downside. And what that massive downside is record breaking fraud. And the Federal Trade Commission received more than 2.8 million fraud reports in 2021. Now, this is, again, imposter scams, online shopping scams. Um, and again, much of this happening through digital channels. And again, a lot of this has been fast-tracked uh, and fueled by the global pandemic um, that, uh, you know, we all experienced so that's now starting to have a knock-on impact within businesses and organizations. So that's not going to go away anytime soon. And that's something that more and more people need to be aware of. And again, making sure that the correct training is in place and also the correct infrastructure that's current and is up to date to keep all aspects of business safe and secure. 100%. And I think that it's a really difficult situation because in order to do that you've got to move at a thousand miles an hour just like the technology is which is in in many cases for some for, for many businesses it's almost impossible to do because we cannot move as quickly even the small nimble agile businesses are, are struggling to keep up with with the the pace of change um and there's a lot of conversations we touched on this on one of our previous episodes around um being able to uh, to manage this from a government level regulation being put in place on things like AI and whatnot. And there's the open letter obviously that's out there from, from, from various people in, in, in very senior standing saying we, we need to put the brakes on a little bit. Um, and there is evidence to suggest that because we're talking today about the idea of, of planning for risk and mitigating that risk, planning for the scammer uh, as it were. And, and there are companies that are being, uh, are being taken advantage of because they're not there. But I think it's also worth pointing out that we, we've, we've got no choice but to try and keep up as much as possible depending on our business. Because there was something that I um, read about a little while ago, which was um, the, the, the first companies that are effectively being wiped out because of the evolution of artificial intelligence. Uh, and, and, you know, our favorite topic of conversation has been chat GPT as it, it sort of dominates the headlines there, but that we've seen already victims because they've not been able to adapt as quickly enough. And 
in the past, we've seen the, the the model evolve a little bit more slowly and how Blockbuster went out because they didn't adapt and how Netflix went from that model into the streaming model and now look at the size of them. There was there was pushback. And and in this day and age, I'm not even sure that it's it, it can be classified as pushback. It's just happening. And that depending on what you do as a business, there's a high probability if you're in a certain area that the technology is going to move so quickly that you wouldn't even be able to plan to adapt. And uh, it was a, an article I read a little while ago, but there was a, a, an edtech company called Chegg. And as ChatGPT came out and evolved and then 4 came out, is that in a very, very short period of time, they're, they're, they, I think I'm just looking at their net income was down by 92%, net profit margin collapsed by 92%, and their EBITDA fell by 30% year on year. And this happened in a very, very short period of time. And so it was just one of those interesting scenarios where I'm, I'm, we talk about the ability to adapt and to embrace. Um, I suppose my question is, is, is there enough time to do it? And it was generative AI moving so quickly that it's just inevitable that some of our businesses are going to go out of business. I think it's a really great question. And as you look at countries and governments around the world, I mean, the UK for example, has rolled out a new national fraud strategy. But many people are saying it doesn't actually go far enough. And it's going back to the point that you mentioned a couple of moments ago that, you know, any any strategy that we try to bring out from, from a government level, um, you know, from a global level, I suppose you could say, is probably going to be out of date because the technology is coming <laughs> down the tracks that yeah. quick. And that's a, that's a challenge that many of the parents that we work with are, are facing on a daily basis when it comes to social media apps and platforms. You know, as soon as a parent gets their head around Snapchat, for example, there's a new app out that their young person has moved over to. And then the, you know, the, the, the learning starts again in relation to, right, what do I need to know when it comes to this particular app? So yeah. it strikes or me. Or even just on that way, just or that there's an app, you know, Be Real was out there and was considered a, a good alternative. But recently they've now started experimenting with private chats, which then takes it back out of the so-called good column uh, in the name of, of, progress and development uh, and again just to reference that then mum and dad have to go back to the drawing board and go okay well now what do we do which one can we look at exactly and it strikes me that any of these strategies that come out you know from a government level you know and of course government has the important role to play in all of this and you need policy and you need um you know no strategies regulation yeah and you need regulation but you know how do we get these strategies you know, out quicker? How do we try to line them up a little bit more with what's ha actually happening in the real world? Because in relation to the UK government's fraud strategy, you know, many people are saying it's come too late, Barry, and it doesn't mm. offer any substantial, you know, changes to protect consumers. And we're talking about it from a business perspective as well, but most of us are consumers in some shape or form. And here's a strategy that's probably taken quite some time to develop that's now been published, that's went through all of the rigmarole and through all of the people and all of the T's crossed and the I's dotted that needed to be done. Okay, on a big photo shoot, we've now got this strategy ready. Oh, it's out of date. It's, it's, really, it's useless. Yeah. And, and, you know, this is, I think you're quite right. They can't 
adapt fast enough. And this is not new. This I remember back in the days when I used to work uh, for Microsoft and we were going up against the likes of uh, PeopleSoft and Oracle for these ERP systems. And, and one of the ways that we were able to go in there was because by the time you'd spec'd out one of these ERPs and got it implemented, your business had evolved and you needed to do it all again because it taken so long to get this system in place. It become irrelevant. And, uh, and you just started the cycle again. And, and I see that that's happening now is that whilst, as you said, we, we do need regulation and we do need guidelines, but I'm not entirely sure who is capable of providing that at the speed at which we need it. Exactly. And I feel almost that it needs to be more of a public and private sector partnership. Um, as well. I think you need to bring, if you look at the three sectors, if you look at here in the UK and Ireland, you've got the public sector, you've got the private sector, uh, which is you and I, uh, and then you've got the voluntary sector, which is, um, you know, the, the, the sector that works with vulnerable people, with, you know, charities and, um, you know, different sectors of our, of our communities. You really need all of those sectors working together, um, but it's got to be at speed. <laughs> and yeah, I'm sure, speed. yeah, at warp speed. Yeah. And I'm sure there are some people within those sectors and, you know, again, not to single out the public sector, but public sector, in my experience in the UK and Ireland works at snail's pace. Um, mm-hmm. so, so that's not the most, uh, helpful thing if you're operating at that sort of speed to be able to tackle some of these issues that, you know, people are going to experience and ultimately that businesses are going to face, particularly when, you know, you're, you know, you're in a, you, you run a business, I run a business, we're looking for more effective ways to, to do business. We're researching, we're looking for new tools like Cobabble. Cobabble is a good example of this, Barry, where, you know, a business can, can take Cobabble and integrate it into its company or its organization. And it helps with efficiencies. It helps with transformation, all of those things that it does. And it does very well. Um, you know, businesses are looking for these tools. They're looking for these, um, platforms to help deal with some of the challenges that they're facing. Definitely. And I think there's a key point, obviously, we're going to be biased, but what, what we worked with when it came to Cobabble, especially because of this situation, was to make it massively powerful, but really easy to use because this idea of change, as we've highlighted a number of times in these discussions, where we as people are resistant to change. And, and some of the biggest failings of implementing software solutions over the years into businesses is not because the software is no good or that it didn't do what it was. It's because people refuse to use it. Instead of, I'm, I'm not using that. I don't know how to use it. And even though I went on the training, I've forgotten how to use it. So you know what? I'm just going to fall back on what I know uh, and do it the way that I, I've always done it. And, and that's a big part of this is trying to make things as easy as possible for everybody to digest a, the change, but then B, the, the actual process of using this system, wherever it, whether it's a COBAP or whether it's another system that's going to streamline certain processes, it's how simple is it for our workforce to pick it up, look at it and go, oh yeah, I get it. It's easy. Uh, and it is easy and it's designed that way so that people can just shift almost seamlessly across. There obviously still has to be the training element. There still has to be a, a core focus on the internal communication. But then it comes down to, um, and you know, we, we've done this saying to our clients is saying, okay, who is the the most 
untechnical, undigitally minded person in your business, and they all know who it is straight away, they always point and say, oh, it's definitely, you know, it's, it's John. And you say, right, let's go. That's our test case. How does John feel about moving across to CoBabble? And, you know, with our businesses, we've, we found out that with our clients that, that we found the Johns in all of them. Uh, and, and even John's been able to say, OK, well, this isn't so difficult. And, and that's been sort of our, our marker to go by. Absolutely. And, and, and seek those people out and, and look for their input, look for their, their feedback that whatever you're trying to do in relation to an element of digital transformation within your company or, or your organization, make sure you try and include as many people as possible. Try to make it as inclusive as you possibly can, because that's going to ensure the success of whatever technology or digital transformation that you're trying to roll out within your company and your organization. So I think one of the key takeaways, I suppose, from today's episode, Barry, at least for me, is the importance of considering the cyber threats um, with any piece of digital transformation that you're about to embark on. Don't let it become an afterthought. Um, whenever something goes wrong that you didn't factor that in. And I know it's it's difficult, it's challenging to factor in every scenario, um, every worst case scenario that might crop up. But things do ultimately happen along the way and they do crop up. So try where possible to mitigate them against them as much as you can and have as many conversations as you can and make sure that you that you manage the expectations as best you can in relation to um, anything that you might encounter on that journey. But practice good digital hygiene from a digital transformation perspective, I think is something that's really important. Yeah, 100%. And I think my takeaway from this is, uh, as if I didn't know it before, it's just about the speed of adoption in these scenarios, is that we, we've talked about the, the necessity of, of, of planning for to mitigate this risk. Um, and however quickly we're thinking about doing that, we need to do it twice as fast. That, that's my key takeaway from this. 100%. And as always, Barry, it's been another fantastic conversation. It's always good to to chat through some of these things, to think about the impact that some of those cyber threats may have on your company and organization. I want to thank Fiona and uh, Hamza for uh, joining us today on this conversation. Hopefully you guys uh, found it useful and enlightening. And if you're listening to this podcast on the replay, uh, a very big hello to you as well. Don't forget, if you have any ideas for something that you would like us to cover on this episode or on these episodes of the podcast, please do reach out and get in touch. We are always looking for guests, Barry, to come on and chat with us. We are indeed. Yeah, we'd love to be able to talk to a few other people on previous episodes. We've had people up on the, the virtual stage uh, giving their input and whatnot, and it's always making for a great conversation. So yes, if you're listening to this on the replay, drop us a line, connect with us on LinkedIn, pose your question and definitely join us on the next one. And, and let's have an open discussion about it. Absolutely. And if you would like to find out more information about CoBabble, uh, the platform that myself and Barry have created uh, for businesses and organizations to help them uh, ultimately with digital transformation, but take some of those more analog checklists and forms and, uh, and uh, audits that you have within your company and your organization and you want to digitize those, uh, CoBabble might be a solution for you. So please do reach out to us, uh, get in touch, stop by the website 
www.cobabble.com. Barry, once again, thank you so much for your input today on the podcast. And I look forward to another conversation with you on the Digital Transformation Diaries very soon. Thanks for listening into this episode of the Digitized Diaries with your hosts, Wayne and Barry. We hope you've enjoyed this conversation and deep dive and today's learnings can help growth for you and your business. Don't forget to hit the subscribe so you get notified when the next episode is available. See you next time.